Welcome to Innovate at Open, the podcast that explores open source through the lenses of distributed collaboration, collective invention, and technology creation. I'm your host, Gordon Half, technology evangelist with Red Hat. Hi, everyone. This is Gordon Half, technology evangelist with Red Hat, and here for another episode of the Innovate at Open podcast. And I'm here with, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you, Gordon. Uh, My name is Martin. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Chronosphere, which is a company building around open source M3 projects. Before we go to the open source aspect, how about the elevator pitch on what your product is? For sure, for sure. So what we're doing with Chronosphere is we're building on top of the open source M3 project, which is an open source metrics platform. So we're sort of providing an end-to-end monitoring product that's built on top of that. Um, so, you know, with, with open source M3, you get a great storage engine for your metrics. Um, but what we're providing with, with Chronosphere is essentially the end-to-end solution. So, you know, that includes the, the visualizations, the graphs, uh, the alerting engine, and all of the analytics on top. Uh, and we're providing that as a hosted solution um, that's built completely on top of M3. Since this podcast does focus on open source, I'm sort of interested in your open source journey, if you would here. Uh, You obviously, you could have created a product in a number of different ways. Why, first of all, why did you determine to develop your product or your the initial project in open source? Sure, it's a great question. Um, so actually for us, you know, we've uh, at Uber, when I was at Uber, uh, we were always big proponents of using open source software. So the very first version of the sort of metrics platform we built internally used open source software. So we used Cassandra, we used Elasticsearch to build that solution. Uh, and then when we sort of scaled those solutions uh, to the their limits essentially, and we couldn't scale it out any longer, uh, we sort of uh, actually had to look at see if there's any other open source solutions that could solve it for us. Uh, when we couldn't find any and actually couldn't even find any commercial solutions, solution that could scale for us, uh, that's when we turned to sort of building our own custom solution for this. And actually, when we did that, we talked to a lot of other companies that had solved the problem at this particular scale. So we talked to folks at Google, at Facebook, and Netflix. Um, and if you look at all of their solutions, they were all built proprietary in-house. And when we talked to those engineers, we asked them why they didn't open source their software themselves, because again, this is a piece of infrastructure that's fairly common, and none of these companies are monitoring companies, right? So when we actually asked them about it, all of them said that they had the intention of open sourcing the software eventually. But because they didn't build it in open source from day one, something, some reason or another, mostly because of an internal dependency that they had, prevented the project from being open sourced eventually. So they all actually told us, hey, if you're going to build this, build it from open source in day one. Uh, and that's really what we did. So, you know, that was the sort of reason why we had to build it because we couldn't use anything else that, that was out there. And then from advice from them, that's why we decided to sort of build it uh, in open source from day one. Yeah, the difficulty of open sourcing something eventually when it isn't open source originally, we run into this a lot at Red Hat where we acquire a company and a month later, everybody's like, why haven't you open sourced this yet? Is Red Hat turning away from open source? And we're, no, it's like, it's hard to do uh, because there are often dependencies. There's libraries, uh, there's just vetting all the copyrights and so forth. Now, the flip side of that question is, is, okay, you developed an open source and you now want to build a business around that. Uh, So how did you think about uh, 
Well, let's start with you know, licensing maybe, but we, I will give some other topics as well. Yeah, for, for sure. So, um, you know, when we thought about it, what the, the, the reason that pushed us to, to build a company around is actually the open source project was actually doing quite well. Um, but it got to this point where a lot of the open source community wanted particular features from it. Uh, and the primary development team were all working for Uber. And it didn't make sense for Uber to solely fund the, the, the production of these features that were being required by other companies. So it sort of got to a point where a, a the the business sort of had to align with, with, with the project, if that sort of makes sense. Um, so that's why we decided to create a company where the goal of the company would be to sort of continue supporting the open source community around this project, um, but at the same time trying to sort of build a profitable business around it as well. So I think when those goals are aligned, it's much easier uh, than, than if they weren't aligned, um, you know, around the project and the business. The question often gets asked whether open source is a business model, and I would argue it is not. However, it does both create possibilities such as a vibrant community as well as imposing certain restrictions or at least limits on you because there is this free bunch of code out there so how did you think about building a business essentially around this open source project yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think for us, it's a little bit unique because if you look at the properties of the M3 project, um, it's it's really only useful for large enterprises. Like if you're really small, you only really want to just use a single Prometheus instance and you're sort of good there. So when you look at the people who want to run this stuff um, in, in production, they're actually large enterprises. So, you know, a lot of the, the features we're adding on, so, so we're actually building uh, some sort of features and proprietary outside of the open source project now, specifically for these enterprise users. And I think that's the way we're tackling this problem. But yeah, I would agree with you that open source itself is not a business model for sure because you're just sort of throwing free code out there. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a model where, you know, the way we think about our project is an individual person can run our open source software and scale it up to, you know, like store billions and billions of time series that is perfectly fine but if you're an enterprise and you want to run this as a single cluster across a lot of teams and have sort of like security and access control and all of these sort of like rate limiting features and like enterprise grade features those are the things that we are building sort of in proprietary they don't really make sense as a piece of open source software because they're not really required by everybody just getting started um, but only when you get to a certain scale and, and you're running in a particular sort of organization structure these features come in handy and that's sort of what we're trying to sell uh, added on top of the, the open source uh, software that we have. One of the challenges f- is figuring out where that right breakpoint is. And I think you kind of answered this, but because it is such an important question, be interesting, just have a little more color around what your thought process was. Okay, this is going to be a proprietary feature, this is not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great question. So I don't think this is something we, we, we thought about at the beginning when we were creating the open source project. But I think over time, it became obvious based on the open source users that the ones that were uh, large enterprises, the sort of features that they wanted were in a particular area. And it became pretty obvious that these large enterprises wanted these sets of features. So for a lot of those features that were only that only applied to these large enterprises, we sort of chose to build those proprietarily. Um, but for a, a lot of the features, we sort of benefited the greater community. Uh, we sort of chose to build those uh, uh, as part of the open source pr- project. So it is honestly at a almost like a feature-by-feature feature basis. We sort of make a determination at that point. This was originally developed within one company, Uber, and often the challenge for projects that get developed within a company, even if they've been open source from the beginning, 
is that it often feels like it's sort of controlled by that company and it can be difficult to build communities as a result. But what are some of the things that you've thought about doing in terms of governance around the community, uh, encouraging outside contributions, perhaps giving up some degree of control? So, yeah, uh, definitely that's something we found, you know, most of the core contributors at the beginning were from one single company that controlled the whole uh, destiny of the project. So, some things we were doing sort of fairly early on as part of that is to sort of encourage contributions. And I think for a project like M3, it's fairly large and complex, so it's actually quite hard to sort of just get started and start making contributions instantly. So, some of the things we did around there were like dedicate uh, current team member engineering time to sort of mentor and ramp people up in the community who were interested but couldn't quite get started. We would like ramp them up and give them like an architecture deep dive and help them through their first few diffs so that they can get to sort of get started. And that's how we sort of got our outside contributors. Uh, and then when um, myself and my co-founder decided to leave Uber and create this new company called Chronosphere, um, that also helped sort of split the governance as well. So if you look at the, go- the official governing board of the project today, it's actually split between Uber, the company, and Chronosphere as well. So we have maintainers from both companies, which sort of helps. And then we continue to sort of foster this sort of um, outside contributors uh, by just essentially investing resources and helping them ramp up on the project. What was the state of the community before uh, Chronosphere, essentially? You, you left uh, Uber, you and your co-founder left Uber, uh, started up this other company, Chronosphere, and partially took over the governance. What was the state of things before that? What was the reaction of what community members there were to essentially this series of events? So, you know, the set of events before we left for Chronosphere is that, you know, the open source project was becoming more and more popular uh, amongst a lot more companies out there. And a lot of those companies had sort of a feature request for the project that we're trying to squeeze into the roadmap. And more and more, we're finding that these features uh, did not align with the best interests of Uber. So like Uber did not require a lot of these features that we were actively developing. So that sort of put us in sort of a a hard place because, you know, we were sort of uh, asking Uber, the company, to pay for the development of these features that didn't benefit Uber in any way. It was purely for the community itself, right? So that was one of the reasons, the main reasons why we decided to leave and create a company around it so that, you know, those goals sort of align between Chronosphere, the company, and, and, and through the open source project. Like, you know, we are now trying to build a business around this and trying to create these features uh, for these companies who want to use them. It, it makes a lot more sense. I guess incentives are more aligned where we're a company trying to build a, a business around this open source project as opposed to one that, you know, Uber uh, is a ride-sharing company, right? They're they not in the world of, of monitoring or, or, or time series databases. If you have a project that is purely for internal purposes, your needs may be very different from what somebody who wants to buy, say, a monitoring solution looks like. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, the the needs of an internal solution are, are definitely very different. And also we found that a lot of in, in, environments were very different as well. So we were sort of taking care of monitoring for Uber's environment and, and Uber's technology stack. And that's just one of many combinations of technology stacks and environments that are out there. So sort of writing these features so that can sort of be, be used across uh, varying other I- environments is definitely something that we want to do as part of Chronosphere. And it didn't make sense to do that as part of, as part of Uber. Great. Thank you. Anything else? Uh, No, that's it. Thank you for your time today, Gordon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Innovate at Open. For future episodes, subscribe to Innovate at Open on your favorite podcast app. You can also go bitmason, B-I-T-M-A-S-O-N, 
www.blogspot.com for show notes, blogs, and a full archive of episodes and more. Thank you for listening. This is Gordon Half, Technology Evangelist at Red Hat.